Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. Today we've got our first of three shows for the week. So today we'll do our normal breakdown of the Iowa game, discuss some things from that contest, which was not pretty to say the least, but we'll get into all of that here in a little bit. On Wednesday, we have our episode recruiting breakdown with Alan True of 247 Sports. So we recorded that actually this morning, but um, it'll be coming out on Wednesday to give you guys an insight to the 2021 class. Uh, really fun conversation with Alan. He's very insightful on everything recruiting. He talked about the kind of the strengths and weaknesses of this class, so where he sees maybe some guys that uh, could impact the field for Wisconsin early, um, and just talked about the whole process given COVID-19 and everything like that. So we'll have that out on Wednesday. We'll have our usual predictions game breakdown for Minnesota out on Thursday. So three episodes with you guys, but we felt uh, it was important to touch on all three and uh, break them up as we see fit because they kind of fit on their own and there was plenty to talk about in each segment. So uh, you guys will get an extra episode of the week and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing phenomenal. Ready to talk a little uh, cathartic release from that Wisconsin-Iowa game. Um, I'm really excited for signing day. I think that episode that we recorded earlier today with Alan, people really like um, you know, like you said, he's he's a great guy. He's met with us a couple times now, so I hope people enjoy it. And after you're done listening to that, I know he's going to be on BTN following us. So uh, he's he's got a busy day on Wednesday. Yeah, make sure to check them out um, over there. I know he said uh, he's he said it, he was like uh, what do you say accounting uh, an accountant during tax season and what's like for him right now. So busy time for these guys um, that, that you know live and breathe recruiting. Um, this is kind of the start of their big day. I know not everyone signs, but for the most part, at least in Wisconsin's case, they pretty much get most of their guys signed um, on this upcoming Wednesday. So it'll be a, a big day for Wisconsin football um, as this program continues to move forward and build for success. And the last couple of recruiting classes have been really strong, and this one is no different than that. So it'll be a fun one. So make sure to check that out and check Allen out over on Big Ten Network. All right, before we get into the football stuff for Iowa, we do have a couple basketball schedule changes we'll touch on. Um, Northern Iowa is out. They canceled the rest of their non-conference games as they prepare for their conference season, and uh, they just felt like they wanted to give their players kind of a break in that regard. Um, so Loyola Chicago, a team that had a really deep March Madness run a few years ago, is in for Wisconsin. Also added the Louisville game back uh, for Saturday at 11 o'clock. So you're going to have Wisconsin basketball leading into Wisconsin football, leading into Green Bay Packers football, if you guys are into that, um, all on Saturday. So big day for Wisconsin sports on Saturday. What do you make of uh, all the schedule changes? Pace yourself Saturday, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a wild one. I know uh, I know. I'm going to have to write up that morning game and then follow along with the Badger game and, and then uh, get to relax for hopefully that Packer game. So it is a busy day. I'm sure my wife will be pumped to see that as the schedule. Um, but, man, I, I think it's great to see 
uh, the Badgers find a, another opponent to take place of that Northern Iowa game. I know that that was kind of quickly taken care of. And uh, Loyola Chicago, great, good team to, to kind of fill in there. And then it's also awesome to see that Louisville game back on on the schedule as well because that is a, a, a nice barometer for this team. You saw them lose to Marquette in really their first big game of the season. Um, it's it's going to be nice to see how they stack up against a really solid ACC team. Yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun um, in that regards to the schedule. I think Louisville is a team that uh, I, I know Wisconsin fans were excited about that when the schedule first came out. And now to, to have a team, I know I was really looking forward to the Northern Iowa um, game. Of course, those teams have had their, had their secret uh, scrimmage um, for years in the past, and I was excited to see them kind of take on each other. But given COVID and everything that has happened, it makes sense, um, the changes in the schedule that way for them. Um, and, and now Wisconsin gets a good program in, in all of Chicago. You know, I know they're not the same team that they were a few years ago, but it's still a, a now a more prominent name. And then you get to add in Louisville as well. And I know Greg Gardner's presser today said they were, you know, kind of getting ready to to fly to I think Madison Square Garden to take on Villanova in a game that they're trying to throw together late. So it's it's kind of crazy the batch, you know, the the Badger schedule this year given. Um, the changes. We knew college basketball was going to be, you know, in football you can only change so much. You know, you've got to probably cancel a game and, and move it around uh, at least three or four days before. But in basketball, you can kind of throw things together. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. But for Wisconsin to get, you know, two quality games in um, from this this week, um, given losing that Louisville game, uh, you know, a week ago, is it, pretty big. And I'm excited to see them on the court because. Uh, They've been playing fairly well this season, and I think Louisville will be a really good test for them on Saturday morning. Yeah, and I think in basketball it's really easy to prep for the next opponent because you're so used to um, having to do so on short notice, whether it be, you know, two, three games once you get into conference season. You know, you usually have a pretty good indication of, okay, this is what Ohio State does or this is what Maryland does. But it, it is definitely easier in basketball to because you're used to um, how to prepare for a game, whereas in, in football you've seen some of these kind of slapstick thrown-together games that have happened um, – specifically thinking of, like, that Cal game that they ended up playing UCLA out of nowhere and, and how that, on, like, a Sunday and how that turned out. And so it's one of those things where, based off of this, I think the basketball team is, is doing the best they can. And I'm just glad that we're having games and hopefully everybody can stay safe. Most definitely. Well, we'll see them on the court Tuesday night against Loyola Chicago at 7 o'clock, so it'll be a fun contest there. All right, getting into the football stuff now, of course, everybody who's listening to this already knows, but Wisconsin falls to Iowa 28-7. to To be quite honest with you guys, it was pretty much uh, a carbon copy of the last two losses to Northwestern Indiana. Really strong defensive performance. I know they gave up 28 points, but I don't think that's telling of where the game was at. Offense struggled again, you know, six, seven, or seven, six, seven. The last three games, it's been a, a really tough time for this Badger team to to score points and, and move the football a little bit here. So, uh, what did you kind of make of that game overall as we try to purge it from our system? Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was just an ugly game. It, it really was. You saw a couple of really good defenses. The Badgers really ran out of gas towards the end of that game when you just saw um, Goodson open it up. But for all intents and purposes, it was it was done at that point. So I, I thought the defense played pretty well for most of the game. You saw uh, Spencer Petrus not able to, to connect with a lot of his wide receivers for 
good chunks of the game. That the defense did a good job in coverage. Uh, they really let the the DBs play on both sides of the ball. Um, but but really, I mean, it was a punt fest. You saw Andy Vucevic was a, a pretty big bright spot for the Badgers outside of that 19 yarder he had. He's right now setting himself up to be one of the better punters in program history if he is able to continue to punt at this rate. So, but but man, like the offense just doesn't have much, and there's not much to go with uh, to turn to. So it's it was a hard watch. What did you make of it, man? Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. I mean, when when we're talking about the kind of the highlights and, and Andy Vucevic being the highlight, you can kind of tell where the game was at and, and how it went. Um, really, yeah, the same kind of thing um, that we've seen the last few weeks, a defensive performance that is pretty strong, um, an offense that has just struggled to find an explosive, you know, weapons. The the running game has not been explosive. Uh, they're, they're desperately missing. they got the likes of Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis as your, you know, receivers to – um, be explosive. I think a guy like I think of like last year with Quintez Cephas, they're missing some explosive part of that offense, whether it be at the receiver position or Jonathan Taylor at the running back position. And when you're dealing with injuries, you know, at at pretty much every position, whether it be running back, um, you know, with with Jalen Berger and COVID, and, and it uh, or the receiver position, or you know, you're playing your your third string center at times, it's just been um, a really hard. Um, season to get these guys kind of going. So I don't really know what more you can make of it than that other than a struggling offense, a good defense, and the end result was pretty much the same. I know, again, uh, they gave up 28 points, but it was really a, a one-possession game for most of that game, and it felt very similar to both Northwestern and Indiana where if they could just get a score um, and, and nod the game up and, and maybe let the defense win it, but they just weren't able to do that, and, and that's just kind of the team we've seen for three straight weeks now. Yeah, and I mean, it was the same the same story in terms of, hey, red zone struggles. And, and part of that is mm-hmm. not having weapons. Some of that is miscues. Mertz missed a couple guys uh, that were that were open. Um, some some questionable play calling still as well. We saw we saw turnovers still in this game. So it was just it was overall not a crisp game. I mean, overall 24 first downs between the two teams. That is not much. And Wisconsin couldn't do anything on the ground, like absolutely anything. The the key run that they had was um, was a, a jet sweep to Chimre DK, and other than that, uh, a one-yard rush by Nikia Watson into the end zone. So the running game was non-existent at 1.7 yards a carry. So it's just it's hard to win football games when you completely are one-dimensional offensively, and that one dimension has very few weapons to turn to. Yeah, for Wisconsin football, if they're not running the football, they're you know well, they're they're likely not winning games, and that's just kind of been the storyline for this team. I know Graham Mertz has certainly not played well. There's no doubt that he's had some growing pains and some struggles. He he missed a lot of open receivers on Saturday. He he just had some balls that were off target by a little bit, and when you're you're playing some guys that you you don't necessarily plan to rely on at that receiver position, you can't have. They don't have a guy that is going to, like last year, if the ball was a little bit, I'm sorry, I'm going to Quintus Cephas so much, maybe I'm just desperately missing him, but if there was a ball that was a little bit off last year, Quintus Cephas was probably pulling that in and helping his quarterback out a little bit. This year, you're just not having that. If there's a ball that's a little off target, and, and granted, there were some that were way off target that it, it was just a bad throw from Graham Mertz. There's nothing you can do about it, but um, a lot of those, there were a few that were just off a little bit, and, and that can make the biggest difference when you're struggling on offense. So 
Um, I know every every phase of the offense has been ugly. I don't think you can blame it on one single piece right now, um, but it's definitely something to to look into and try to figure out as the season you know kind of winds down here. You've got Minnesota this week, of course, um, you know, with the rescheduling, and then you've got a bowl coming up. But aside from that, you know this is going to be um, something to break down and, and look to as they enter next season because it's probably going to be. If you don't clean some of that stuff up, you're going to have the same struggles next year if you don't find some explosiveness at, at both of those positions. So it's going to be a storyline to, to watch and talk about for weeks to come. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, and one of the big storylines going into the game was we found out that Jalen Berger positive, or we'll say wasn't available for Saturday's game Friday. So the day before the game, you're finding out that, hey, you're starting running back. Um, who finally got RB1 in the depth chart, was out. And so he's going to be out for the next two games. Um, and and then you still are without Danny Davis. Kendrick Pryor still also not available. So what were your thoughts when you saw that those three were once again going to miss the game? Oh, boy, my thoughts were this is going to get ugly. <laughs> um, I, I just it, – it does – it's tough because you – you know, coming into the week, I, I thought that they would finally – um, you get Jalen Berger the touches that he needed. You know, in our Iowa prep episode, we, we talked, you know, Jalen Berger needs 15 is what he'd been averaging. He needed probably closer to 20 to 25. And with the situation with him, he got zero, of course. So that's a big hamper. When you're planning on maybe going to a guy 20 to 25 times, hopefully, and then you have him unavailable, you've got to distribute those carries to otherwise um, some other backs, and it just doesn't doesn't work. The the other backs don't have that explosiveness um, that that Jalen Berger does so early in his career. I mean, Garrett Groshek is a good player. Um, he does a lot of things well for Wisconsin. He's been a big part of Wisconsin, but he's not going to be a guy that is explosive. Nikia Watson, we we're now on year one, I guess one and a half. He played a good amount last year, and this is really just kind of a half a season this year. And it's shown that he's not really looking like the explosive back that you hoped he was going to be out of high school, um, really struggling to, to get through, find the holes and get through them. Um, and really, we've we've had a couple flashes of it, but really for that's kind of been the extent of his career at Wisconsin so far is, is, is kind of two yards in a cloud of dust, not really getting through the hole and getting to that second level and making plays. Um, so without Berger, you knew that that was going to be a bigger struggle, and we had seen the struggles without Pryor and Davis um, for the two weeks before that. I know Pryor played a little bit in that Indiana game, but he was banged up and, and ended up leaving that game because of injury anyway. So I knew coming into it without those three that it was going to be ugly, and um, I guess everyone's synopsis was right. Um, if that's what you thought was going to happen, uh, you were the case. But what did you make of, of those three, those three players kind of being unavailable? Yeah, I mean, that that's one of those things where knowing that if that's going to be the case, that completely shifts the thought process for what you're picking in a game. Like, that would have been uh, – I know you're a better. That's one of those where it's like, well, you throw the money at Iowa immediately um, because the Badgers came into that game as, as sitting ducks. They didn't have a shot in my, in my book. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to say that that's not the way you go into a football game. And believe me, I played high school football, and, and that's not the way I would have gone into it. But it doesn't change the fact that you have your you don't have and that you're starting running back. You're two top top wide receivers. Like it's very offense. No matter how good your defense is to to win that game, Iowa's got one of the best defenses in the country as well, and and they showed up for it. Um, 
Iowa did pretty much what they've done all year long. And, and Iowa is second in the Big Ten in terms of scoring, but at the same time, you don't see like, you didn't see like crazy explosive offense other than that Tyler Goodson 80 yard run. It, it was more of, okay, we're going to just take advantage of your mistakes. We're going to punt in our, in plus territory when we need to and, and beat you with field position. And when we've got short fields, we're going to win. Um, because Spencer Petras wasn't anything special either um, for for Iowa, and and he was missing plenty of easy throws. But the the story of the game is without those three, you're turning to um, Jack Dunn as as basically your go to target in this offense. And 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 Jack Dunn's a, a solid player. He's he's a walk on kid, and he's living out his dream to be a Badger. But but on most teams, he's not your number one target. I don't think he's the number one target at a lot of FBS or FCS schools. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the issue. And, and so you look at um, the, the, what, what Graham Mertz is dealing with, and, and he's, a, he's a freshman, and, and he's got a lot of growth to do and a lot, missed a lot of targets and, and missed some wide-open throws that need to be there. But you also look at his last three games. He, he threw the ball 41 times versus Northwestern, 34 against Indiana, 38 against Iowa. Those are three of the better defenses in the entire Big Ten and country, and he was asked to throw the ball over a hundred times in those three games. That's silly. That is not Wisconsin football. That is that is not the recipe to win when you don't have any of your top wide receivers to throw to. You've got freshman wide receivers catching the ball in Devin Chandler and Tim Ray DK, two guys who I think have huge futures. But you saw them settle. You saw Chimre DK settle on a slant instead of continuing to run through it. That one wasn't on Graham Mertz, and and so it, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, he missed his throws, but at the same time, the last time a, a player had to throw the ball 40 times in a game was in 2017 in the Big Ten Championship when Alex Hornibrook did it. And when Jack Cohn played his first season with the Badgers in 2018, he had one game out of those five that he threw the ball 30 plus times. He had other games where he threw it 7, 11, 20, and 24. So they're asking a kid to do a whole lot more than what they've asked any other Wisconsin quarterback to do in, in, the, in a long, long time. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point there. I mean, this Wisconsin offense is not designed to be throwing the ball 30 to 40 times a game. There's certain offenses in the country that can do that and like to do that. Wisconsin is not one of them. You know, you need a ground game to set up that passing game a little bit more and it's one thing if you're we knew <laughs> I guess in our early preseason predictions we thought that they would throw it more um, but I don't think it was going to be necessarily in this situation we thought they'd throw it more out of you know having the strength of, of throwing it to Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor and and Shumray DK was a guy that we thought was going to come out and of course you've got Jake Ferguson you saw the targets but when you don't have those guys and you're still trying to throw it 30 to 4 times a game really out of necessity because you can't run the ball right now, that that's going to create a struggle. And, and you know, when, again, yeah, like you said, Jack Dunn, solid player, done a lot for Wisconsin, been a player that you can rely on in special teams and coming out and, and playing a little bit of receiver, but he can't be your number one weapon. He, it's just, you know, that's not a knock on him. There's certain guys that can't do that, and, and he's not one of them um, that's designed for that. And then you've got the likes of, Chimray Dickey, who, again, is, is going to be a great player. Devin Chandler, I thought, was impressive in the, in the couple of receptions he has, and he'll have a future there. So that, that's all great. But in, in the short term of the game, that's going to create some serious struggle, and, and we saw that. So I, I think 
Graham Mertz rightfully has gotten is has missed some throws, and you, there's no doubt that, that you have to acknowledge that. But there were a couple, like you said, of situations where it wasn't all on him. I think the offense is struggling right now. They're trying to find a recipe to move it, and, and throwing the ball is really all that they can do. Um, so I know Graham Mertz has not looked as sharp as he looked in that Illinois game, um, but I, I think some slack is definitely warranted for him. I know there's been a lot of talk about the criticism um, for him these past few weeks. It's, it's, I, it seems very unfair to me um, to attack a 19-year-old kid the way some people have, um, not, to, not to promote the, the ugliness that can be the Internet sometimes, but uh, it's been pretty uh, sad to see for, for people going at Graham Mertz for where he has a 19-year-old kid pl- trying to play in a pandemic. Um, you know, I know we had a nice open letter to Graham Mertz on our website, so make sure to check that out. But, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of creates a, a tough situation when those are the things you're trying to rely on um, to move the football. One yeah, of the I mean, things, it's, it's, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's, the, it's the Mike Gundy, I'm a man, I'm 40, if you're going <laughs> to come at somebody. Uh, yell, at, yell at an adult. Yell at Joe Rudolph if you want to, if that's who you want to put your anger towards. But really, it's, it's none of these guys' faults. Um, it's, it's a team effort, and, and nothing's clicking right now for this team and for this coaching staff. So it's, it's in a season that's been kind of thrown off, its, off the rails for a while now, um, it's, it's, it's not going to help anything to take your anger out on some 19-year-old. Most definitely. That's a great uh, message for anyone uh, that's uh, listening out there. Um, yeah, speaking of yelling at adults, I think the, the one guy that people are frustrated with a little bit as Joe Rudolph and in specifically his play calling. I think when you look at Joe Rudolph right now, it's, it's an odd situation because um, I think people look at the play calling and, and are calling for Joe Rudolph's head in, in that regard. But Joe Rudolph is a huge part of this Wisconsin football program. He's a great offensive line coach. He's a really great recruiter, something that I don't think necessarily Wisconsin fans know or notice as much. You don't get a lot of credit for who actually recruits the players and gets there. It's exciting when they do. Um, but unless you're really looking at the ins and out of who's getting after these guys, that kind of credit can go by the wayside. So Joe Rudolph as a recruiter and offensive line coach has been excellent and is a huge part of this program. So I, don't, I wouldn't expect him to go anywhere. But Joe Rudolph, the play caller, does not necessarily seem to be working. I know the personnel has been rough. Um, and that can be taken a certain way. But now we're looking at three, four games here, which really been a struggle. So do you think come next year that Joe Rudolph is calling the plays, or do you think we maybe see some adjustments from this Wisconsin offensive staff? I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough to tell. Um, I would anticipate that if if things continue to go poorly, if there's enough you know fire going on, that, that Chris is going to take it back. Um, and, I, and I think he probably should. Um, to be perfectly honest. Um, but at the same time, um, you look at it and we've talked about the, the lack of weapons to turn to, all, all that. Um, but at the same time, we saw some, some creativity being used at the wrong times in that fourth and one where they, instead oh, of trying God. to fullback dive or something, <laughs> trying to do a, trying to do a wildcat toss to a backside tight end dragging across the field. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect there. <laughs> I, that was a that was a finish a beer one there. Um, but but you know it's just this isn't Wisconsin football. Is we're seeing them being forced to to do things that they're not accustomed to that they don't have the um, the scheme for. And and really, uh, this team is built to run the ball. And when you don't have your a running back that can do that, 
Um, and an offensive line that at times has also struggled. You know, you saw Cole Van Lannan got, got beat more times than I've ever seen before uh, by Golston, and, and that's not something you normally see from him. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's a lot that needs to change for this team. I'm not certain it's going to be the that it's the play calling. There is definitely instances where I've gotten frustrated with it. Um, you know, I, I don't like going down in the inside the top the five yard line and not running the ball once. I, I don't like that type of thing. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know if that's the number one issue right now. But I do think that if things continue to trend this way, Chris will probably take it back just to to get people off of uh, Joe Rudolph's back because that's kind of the way he is. Yeah, it'll be an interesting situation because you're right. It's not just the play calling. I don't think the play calling has been good, but at the same time, there's a lot of other situations uh, with this Wisconsin offense that have made the offense stall out. So I'm interested to see as we get into next year, and maybe they'll come out this Minnesota game and, and play okay in a bowl game. And I mean, you got to look at it too. You've played three really good defenses these past three weeks, so that's part of it. Maybe they'll come out against Minnesota. I would say if they struggle against Minnesota – um, a defense that has not been good this year, and they, they struggle against uh, whoever they get in a possible bowl game. I think the last projection I saw was was like Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. Uh, if you struggle to move the ball against some of those teams and, and in those situations, then, yeah, it might be something where that's five games in a row. might be time to make a you know, switch, especially when Paul Chris is so good at it. Um, you know, He's been an excellent play caller for Wisconsin in years past. I think that could be a really situation where um, he'd be he'd be really good. It's not like they're going to go out and hire somebody outside to come in and take over the play calling. Paul Chris is a really good play caller, so maybe we play them to their strengths, and, and Joel Rudolph can focus on recruiting and the offensive line. But it's definitely going to be a situation to watch as it develops, and I think these next couple games and, and into next year will, will be a topic of conversation for sure. Yeah, I mean, Rudolph will definitely, no matter what, he's still going to be your offensive coordinator. He's still going to be involved with the scripting of your first plays to get a feel for the, the oppose, opponent. He's still going to be involved in putting together the game plan. It's just there is a key skill that comes to understanding the flow of a game and understanding situationally what calls to make. And and I who knows? We don't know how long Rudolph's been calling plays. It could go back to last year or the year before that. We don't really know um, because – uh, Paul Chris has been pretty cryptic about it, but uh, if this is in fact the one year that they've been doing it, I, I think it's it's time to shift it right on back probably. Um, and and that's not it's not going to hurt anybody because this is if this is if there's a time to do it, this is the year to do it. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's a it's been a wacky, weird pandemic season anyway. So maybe you tried it out and the experiment didn't work and. You can let bygones be bygones and maybe go back to the way it is. But it's definitely going to be something to watch for uh, as you head into these last few games and uh, next season. Um, Speaking of, we've talked about play calling. We've talked about personnel a little bit. Jalen Berger is, of course, out of of Saturday's contest. I thought maybe we'd see some Julius Davis instead. Brady Shipper got in there to get some carries. I guess I don't really know what to make of that situation. I don't know if there's something going on with Julius Davis or we haven't heard anything, but we haven't seen anything of him. You know, a highly recruited kid um, that was was kind of coming in to be uh, another back and compete with Jalen Berger. So does that situation seem a little weird to you, or what do you make of him not, not seeing any field so far? There's something there. I, there's got to be. I mean, and, and that's not an Dr. Brady Shipper, but he – Brady's been a guy that has played a lot in practice. We've, we've seen him in games before. Um, he's a pretty talented kid. He reminds you of Groshek in a lot of ways because he, he was a former wide receiver, now turned running back at Stoughton, 
uh, a good athlete who I think you know has a has a future and can help his team out. But if I remember correctly, he was shifted from wide receiver to running back, but then going into this year was listed at safety. So you see a guy who has come back to running back um, getting carries over there. So that's noteworthy in my eyes um, where there's got to be something there with Julius Davis. There's a reason he's not on the field. Um, he, he was dressed. So we don't have the answers there. Um, but at the same time, I think as things continue to progress, we'll, we'll see. And, and maybe he's out there next week when you have more time to practice and plan for the fact that um, Jalen Berger will likely not be available. Yeah, that's a good point, is that you're not going to have uh, Jalen Berger likely for this Minnesota game, um, given what we've heard is the situation there. But, yeah, it does seem a little odd, you know. It'd be one thing if Julius Davis was a guy that um, maybe you didn't see as, uh, you know, a really confident piece. Um, to your team or anything like that, but Julius Davis wasn't just some guy that they they kind of pulled off the streets or or didn't really invest a lot of time in. He was a very highly recruited kid um, out of the state of Wisconsin. You know, really looked at by a lot of different programs that way. Um, you know, Notre Dame, USC, LSU were all in on him uh, as a recruit. So you know the talent is there. You know Wisconsin really wanted that kid. So it'll be an interesting situation to watch for. Again, yeah, like you said, not a knock on Brady Shipper, but if you're recruiting in-state kids that uh, you're you know, really highly recruited kids, you would hope you'd want to get them some run if the situation called for it, and they haven't. So it's definitely an odd situation to, to maybe keep your eyes on, and who knows, like you said, maybe this week you don't have Berger, you can get him some prep, and he's out there against Minnesota. But if not, and it's it's the Groshek, Watson, Shipper um, situation, then there might be you know more to try and read into. So it's going to be a situation to, to watch as it develops for sure. Um, at that running back position. Defensively, Wisconsin, awesome again. I know they, like we said earlier, gave up 28 points, but the last couple scores we, we talked about, Wisconsin just looked gassed. I mean, they they were on the field a lot. You know, those, I believe there was nine or ten punts back-to-back from both teams. A lot of them were three and outs, too. It's not like they were long drives for the most part. So that Wisconsin defense was out there a while. So another good performance from them, getting stop after stop. What did you What did you like about them? Anyone really stand out on the defensive side? I thought they were flowing the ball well. I thought they did a good job. I thought Iowa was able to run the ball a little bit right off the bat in that opening drive, and then the Badgers kind of settled in until the end. Um, I, I was impressed by what I saw out of uh, Scott Nelson and Nick Herbig. I thought both those guys were flowing the ball really well and, and were really kind of had a, a second gear to them. Scott Nelson, especially in the first half, you, you saw him flying around making some plays. Uh, and, and, and then you also saw at, at the safety position Colin Wilder making a couple nice plays. So I, I liked what I saw. You saw two sacks from this team. That was good. It was good to see Isaiah Loudermilk get in the sack column. But – but really, in the end, if, if you can't score points when you're in the red zone on, on offense and you're going to put your defense in tough situations, it's it's hard to expect to win. And this Wisconsin team forced a hell of a lot of punts for that Iowa team. And no matter what happened, unless Wisconsin was able to, um, you know, put the points up on the board defensively, it just wasn't in the cards for, for the Iowa game. Yeah, it's tough because it it feels like this defense is playing you know so well and it's just they're not getting the credit that they deserve because you know of course they're not winning games so it's a tough situation. The guys you mentioned were were great. Scott Nelson has looked a lot better um, these last couple of weeks going into next year. Um, you know he'll be a huge piece to have. 
Uh, Eric Burrell played pretty well. I know yeah, this is kind of his swan song as he gets ready. He just graduated with another degree. And uh, well, well, I know he's mentioned already. He's this is probably his last season. Not doesn't plan on coming back. So enjoy him while you've got him. Uh, and then thankfully, when the recruiting podcast that we've got coming out, we talk about some incoming safeties that will maybe step into that position in Hunter Waller and Braylon Allen. But uh, those guys on defense were were good again. I know um, the continuing storyline is the pressure. Um, not getting home for a lot of sacks. Spencer Petras. Had a little, he had some hurries, and and I don't think he's a very good quarterback anyway. Missed a lot of throws, but uh, yeah, once again, defense looked pretty good. It was just a matter of of if you're not scoring points, you're you're probably not going to get the credit you deserve. And unfortunately for the Badger defense, they didn't. And uh, hopefully they'll be ready and and fired up to to take on a Minnesota offense once again, and hopefully can shut them down and and maybe you right some wrongs. And at least you know you you lost one rivalry game to Iowa, but if you could bring back the axe. Um, I don't care what the record is. If the axe is in Madison, I think that'll be a really good cap of the season, and, and they'll need a strong defensive performance if they want to do that. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, like you said about Scott Nelson, I think he's going to have a nice year next year. Um, and it, it, it's, it's nice to see his tackling being far improved compared to what we saw when he was a freshman. Um, so I, I think that was one thing that really popped out to me was just the way in which he was successfully wrapping up each time because we, we have seen him have some struggles in the past, but he's, he's looking really good in, in terms of that, and he's looking healthy, and you could see why the staff was so high on him before his injury. Yeah, it'd be nice to see what he can bring uh, next year. Um, I know this year was kind of a nice run for him to kind of get uh, back in playing shape um, after a really long layoff, so I think he'll be a big piece of uh, the 2021 Wisconsin football team. All right, rounding out our conversation here. Not a lot of positives, of course. I know the defense is one of them. Any other positives you can take from this game as you recap and, again, purge this Iowa game from your system? Once again, you still saw a lot of young guys out there, which it's only going to help their development. It really can. You know, I, I know people are understanding and upset about the, the growing pains that this team's going through, but there's a lot, a lot of 2019, 2020 kids out there playing. Um, it, it, it kind of shows maybe the struggles and why recruiting rankings are so important because that 2018 class has, has struggled um, of, of pretty much across the board. You haven't seen near, nearly as much production out of that group other than, say, maybe Jack Sanborn and a couple others. But, um, but, I, but I think you also have to look at special teams. This team didn't have as many glaring mishaps this year in, in I know that there was a missed field goal that was short and and there there was, you know, a 19-yard punt. But at the same time, you saw, you know, Baywatch in full effect getting a, full, a fumble recovery. You saw Andy Vujinovic punting really, really well to show, you know, anybody who's punt, catching the ball and punting it, I'm all for that. So I, I think this team is, is doing better in some areas and still has a lot of room for, for improvement, obviously. Otherwise, they would have um, been winning some of these games that they've had. Yeah, I think the the biggest part is um, of, of, of positivity is playing some of these younger guys. I know it's it's growing pains in the short term, but I think it's going to really benefit these guys in the long term. You know, look at the careers of of guys like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor that they're relying on. Those guys played early in their career, and it wasn't always that they were huge in terms of production um, early in their careers, but they got some run, and now you're seeing them as guys that you can really rely on. And, and need, I mean, with you need those guys in the game, and you've seen what they've done without them. So to get the, the likes of Chimray DK some playing time, to get Devin Chandler some reps who looked, I think, pretty good. I know 
Um, when we talked about recruiting last year, he was a name that you mentioned as a guy that you were really excited about to get to see him play. I know Tanner Bordellini has had some struggles, but to get to be playing as a young um, offensive lineman is huge as you develop and, and move forward. So I know in the short term it, it's sometimes hard to watch. You're you're playing a lot of young guys, and, and you've got injuries, and all of that adds together, and a lot of it's on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're seeing Nick Herbig play well on defense, but – um, you know, offensively, you're getting a lot of these guys in the game, and, and hopefully they can, you know, take this weird season, this COVID season that uh, has kind of been a wash for a lot of teams and, and build on that. So I think in a couple of years down the road, you'll see um, some, some, some serious benefits from the struggles here. Um, I know it's, it's a hard thing to envision with the way they're playing right now, but I think down the road, you'll see the benefits of this team and getting some of these young guys some run. Yeah, because you saw you saw back in um, 2017 just how beneficial that that initial burst of games helped um, AJ Taylor as well as Quintez Cephas for their development when they came back the following year. Uh, I, I would anticipate, uh, especially if we don't see Pryor, if we don't see Davis, one of at least one of them coming back next year, that you should see a nice jump up in development from. Chimray DK and Devin Chandler, not only with an understanding of the playbook, but an understanding of really what you need to do play in and play out um, and the physicality you need to play with uh, at the Big Ten level because it is, it's a completely different game than, than high school football. Most definitely. All right, guys, that wraps up our episode recapping. Um, you know, kind of cathartic to get some of that stuff off our chest um, for this Iowa game. So, that wraps up that conversation. Like I mentioned at the early part of the show, we'll be back with you on Wednesday um, for an episode with Alan True to, to break down some recruiting stuff, uh, talk about that 2021 class, which is really strong. So uh, build off the class that you've had this year and bring in some young guys, which will be um, fun to talk about, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. And then on Thursday, we'll be back uh, for our usual Minnesota breakdown. Get ready for Axe Week that way. So thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.